0: When I got the text yesterday morning uh, from Pastor Chris saying, uh, I'm still not feeling, we talked to him on Friday and I knew he wasn't feeling good on Friday. And he said, is there any way that you can speak tomorrow in church? And, 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 and I told him early on that you do this as long as I've done this. There's, I've got a number of sermons that I can just pull from in the past, if that makes sense. And re look over and make work and do good. And it's all new to you except three of you out there. <laughs> none, you know, none of you have heard some, most of this stuff, except those three of you that have heard it. And uh, my mind went immediately uh, to this message. And uh, uh, tough times. Uh, as I think of tough times, I, I've got a friend in in uh, uh, Indiana that uh, is an administrator of a, was an administrator of a Christian school and... Uh, Uh, A new pastor was hired about a year and a half ago. And two weeks ago on Wednesday, the pastor came in and said, you're no longer needed. He's about two years from retirement. You know, and every report he has been getting has been positive reviews. You know what I'm saying? So there was nothing, he was caught off guard completely by it. Um, (laughs) This isn't as big a deal, but... At the West Virginia Christian Athletic at the VCAT this weekend, I, they make an announcement over the PA system that uh, a blue minivan, if you own a blue minivan in the parking lot, uh, you need to come outside because there, there's a, uh, someone has had a minor fender bender with you and uh, the culprit's outside waiting to meet with you. That's exactly how they worded it. <laughs> And I looked at Mr. C, I believe, at that point and said, I'm glad I don't own a blue minivan. It wasn't a blue minivan. It was a blue edge. And I own the blue edge. (laughs) Uh, Amazingly, it was a guy that I knew that I umpired baseball with and had gotten to know through umpiring baseball with. And uh, we talked on the phone Saturday and uh, it'll be fine. But we there's tough times everywhere we turn around. I hear about difficult times, and I think we sometimes struggle with how to react to it and what's the right thing. And we may have head knowledge of what we're supposed to do, but the reality of our actions many times is not the right way. And so when I I thought about that, and, and Pastor when Pastor Chris sent me the message, my mind went immediately to a to a message that, to be quite honest with you, I developed when I was in college so it's old okay and uh and I've done it a number of times in a number of different places but I think it has some messages here and and to be honest with you it really wasn't developed for adults it was really developed for teenagers and kids but I think we can all learn a few things as we go through it uh so we're gonna be in Daniel chapter six Daniel chapter six I love uh I love all the the stories that we hear as kids and uh Bible stories, where it be Noah in the Ark, or Moses, because Pastor Matthew spoke this week in elementary chapel about Moses parting the Red Sea, and he had kids here in the aisles, and uh, who knows how they reacted when they went back to class, because he got them riled up a little bit, Uh, but uh, I love that, but one of my favorite is Daniel and the lion's den, Daniel and the lion's den. So we're going to look at this passage for a few minutes this morning and, and see what we can learn from it. Uh, As we go through it and I'm going to read most of this passage here uh, and I'm going to read in the King James uh, this morning uh, just because I think that fits with way some of the wording of my outline goes if that makes sense. It was a long time ago I developed this message. Uh, So Daniel chapter 6 verses 1 through 4 we see the position of Daniel. It says it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom a hundred and twenty princes which should be over the whole kingdom and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give account unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above all the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. So the position Daniel had is, is basically second in command. There were three at that same level, but he was above those three. And so he was the was, he was, he only answer to the king, basically. And so my first question is is, why did he have this position, according to this passage? And verse three says there was an excellent spirit found in him, but verse four says he was faithful. And if we're, if we're not careful, we think about faithfulness and we'll look at this passage and think he's talking about faithfulness to God. And I believe he is faithful to God and we're gonna talk about that. But that, I don't believe that is what this word faithful is heading towards and leaning towards. He was faithful to the king. In other words, what was typical during this time period is, is if you were set to do something, it was nothing for you to skim some off the top for yourself. okay. That's how they made their money. It's how they got things. And, 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 and I got a feeling it was a very common trait amongst these other princes and satraps and whatever their names were, okay? And he turned around, but, but Daniel had proven to be faithful to the king. The way I think about that is I think we all sometimes struggle because we want to get ahead. We want to move to the next level. We want to take a step up. And I think the key to that in the world, along with Christianity, is being faithful to those that are over you. I'm going to talk to teenagers for a second, okay, since that's the world I live in. (laughs) Literally with two at home also, you want your parents to trust you. Be faithful in the little things that you have at the house. Most of you have chores of some sort, probably. You want to be able to take the car out and go do something, but you won't make your bed in the morning, even though you're supposed to make your bed in the morning. Why would you, why, you see the correlation? When we're faithful in the little things, we'll get added to us. And we need to understand that. We need to be faithful in the little things and the small things. This week, this week we have a rule in our house that at night, um, electronic devices aren't in the room at night. We have another room they go in, they all get plugged in or whatever needs to happen, but they're not allowed to take their electronic devices at night in the room when they go to bed, okay? And we've had a few little conversations about that from time to time as you can imagine. But this week, uh, we came home one night from one of the VCAT games, and I was white. Deborah was already in bed, and so I just kind of went on to bed and told them, lights out at midnight, and they've done pretty good with that, and take care of what they need to. And the next morning, the electronic devices, those are the nights that we have the struggle where the electronic devices go. That next morning, the electronic devices was where they needed to be. And so we made a point of saying, when you start doing those things, we'll trust you with other things. You've got to be faithful in the small things. That's even true of us as employees and employers. When you can be trusted in the small things and the other things, that's when you have your opportunity to progress. So Daniel was faithful. He was faithful. In verses five through nine, we see the plot against Daniel. Then these. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this standard except we find it against them concerning the law of his God. They knew he was faithful to the king. They wouldn't find a way to get him down and knock him down. They were jealous of him. And then he said, then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said unto the king, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save O thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, a king established the decree and signed the writing that it not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. So they went to him and said, King, we've got this new law. And any king loved it when he was pumped, pushed up and pumped up and made to look greater. And he says, let's make a law that no one can ask anything of anyone God or man, except you. And he said, sounds good to me. Makes me much better. Good deal. So he signed it according to the laws of Medes and Persians. And literally what that means is that once he signed it in the law, there was no way he could change it. There was no out of it. Verses 10 and 11. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went Into his house, and his windows being open in his chambers toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime. Here we see the prayer of Daniel. I hear people key on the fact that he prayed three times a day, and I think that's important. But I think the most important thing, the statement there, is as he did aforetime. I have this little rebellious streak in me (laughs) that comes out. And when I don't like something, instead of sometimes, especially when I was younger, when I didn't like something, I remember, this is going to sound petty. This is going to sound silly. This is going to sound stupid. But when I was in Bible college, we had a, a rule that you had to, guys had to wear socks. Okay? Typical Bible college type of rule, okay, okay? And I thought it was the dumbest, stupidest thing in the world, okay? So just to prove them wrong, I'd see how many days in a row I could get away without wearing socks before I got caught, okay? (laughs) Now, I I know none of you are like that, okay? Okay? That's not what Daniel's doing here. That's my point. He had done what he'd always done. He wasn't acting rebellious to this law. He knew about this law. This law wasn't a surprise to him, okay? There was no shock. It wasn't like he didn't know this law was in effect. He knew it. But he was going to obey God rather than man. And he continued to do what he knew what was right. It does bring me to, to one social instance that I'll just bring up. Obviously, abortion is wrong. And we ought to take a stand against abortion. But we shouldn't be breaking laws in the process. Amen. Okay? We ought to be able to take a stand in the right way. That's all he was doing. And I believe as we talk about God's protection in tough times, and we're going to get to more of this in just a couple minutes. I think too often we wait until the tough times come and then we want to turn to God and wonder why we struggle through those tough times. One of the reasons Daniel was able to handle these tough times without a problem is he was already walking with God. He was with God. You want to have easy, you want to be, we're all going to have tough times, okay? It's, no one's going to get away from tough times. If you're human, you're going to have tough times. Sometimes it'll be your fault and sometimes it'll be somebody else's fault. You want to make it through those times. Walk with God all the time. Not just when things get tough, we're going to turn to God. I'm not saying he won't answer and help you in those times. And we need to turn to him in those times. But the best way to handle them is like Daniel. It's what he always had done. And then we see in 12 through 19, the placing of Daniel in the den. And for the sake of time, uh, we're gonna, I'm just going to narrate it for just a second, okay? They come, and in my mind, you guys, I got this. I, I just imagine him praying there at the window, and I imagine these guys coming and kind of peeking around the window, looking at him in my mind. That's not in the Bible, that's in Charles Atkins' mind about it, okay? And then I imagine them making a hundred yard dash, whatever it is, as fast as they could, back to the king, because they wanted to get Daniel. And they get back to Daniel, they get back to the king, and they say, King, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you make a law that says no one can pray to any man or God except you? And he turns around and says, yes, that's right. And I can see the king kind of, yeah, makes me number one. I'm good. And then he looks and says, well, do you remember Daniel? Daniel of course, I can imagine the king in his mind going, my number one man. He's good. My number one man. He breaks it three times a day. And I can imagine Daniel's reflection go. I mean, king's reflection going, my number uh-huh. No, not Daniel. Oh, no. So he literally sends them away, brings all the uh, smart people in the room, his, his smart people, to try to figure out a loophole. But he can't figure out a loophole. And they come back and said, you've got to do it. You've got to follow it. And then they turn around and he comes to him, pulls Daniel in, and he tells him he's got to go into the lion's den. And then in verse 20, I do want to read this. It says, when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angels and has shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me. For as much before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. There was a time period where I was listening to, the, to preachers on the radio a lot and, uh, and as I was listening to some preachers, I listened to a guy one time, I don't remember what it was, It was, But he was speaking on this passage and he said, God performed a miracle in the fact that the lions really weren't hungry that day. And that's why Daniel survived the night. I don't believe that's true. Because if you continue reading, they had a huge breakfast. All those presidents and satraps that plotted against Daniel and their families were fed to the lion's den. We're not going to read that, but that's, uh, that's not true. But who protected the Daniel? God did. And why did God protect Daniel? It said he was, the exact wording was, he believed in his God. He was faithful to God. I do believe that when we're faithful to God and we, we live the continuous life, it doesn't mean troubles won't come. I do believe we have some. We, a lot of times we have less troubles than if we weren't. But God shut the mouth of those lions. I'm going to show a little illustration here. It's one I've done for years. It always concerns me when I get ready to get started because I never know how it's going. I hope it always works out. I just have a normal common handkerchief here. It can be used for a lot of things. Shining the bald head that's getting balder every day. Uh, blowing the nose. No. It's clean, okay? But anyways. Jerry, the building will be safe, okay? Just just so you know. <laughs> before we get started, we'll be okay, okay? Only once have I had a problem with this, okay? <laughs> just want just to make sure before you... <laughs> I have a little concoction here. Are you worried because you're up front? (laughs) I have a little concoction here that's got rubbing alcohol and and water in it uh, just to illustrate God's protection to us. Okay? And then we're going to talk about it a little bit more. So uh, let's make sure I don't burn myself here. There is flame, it is warm, but what's not happening? Yeah, the uh, handkerchief isn't burning, okay? Just as the water protected the handkerchief from burning, I believe God protects us in our life as we go through life from troubles and trials. As I've said, I've done this a number of times. I showed up at a church, had everything with me, and had forgotten my handkerchief. It's a little tough to do this illustration without a handkerchief. This pastor was a good friend of mine, and I went to him and said, do you have a handkerchief with you? And he goes, yes. He goes, can I borrow it? He goes, yes. Let me make sure it's clean first. And so he, he gave me his handkerchief, and I did the illustration. At that point, I was using some tong type of things, and I was holding it like this, and I'd light it, and I lit it, And I went up and I said, see, the handkerchief is fine. And literally, in the middle of this handkerchief was a big black glob. (laughs) And I thought, oh my, my illustration is ruined in front of people because his handkerchief was more polyester than cotton. So it melted in the middle and I ruined his handkerchief (laughs) but literally in that moment God spoke to me and said that's a better illustration we'll go through tough times but I don't think we always come out unscarred through the tough times two illustrations that come to my mind right off the bat in a very personal way is I've lived through this twice but when I was a senior in high school I, uh, my, my dad and I went left and I never rode with my dad to my brother's basketball games we always, I always rode separately because I was that teenager that was independent Okay. And didn't want to ride with dad all the time. And so, but dad said, if you ride with me, I'll buy you dinner. Well, that won the deal there because cash was always tight as a teenager. And so I rode with him. And while we were gone, we actually found out because we heard it on the radio. We had a house fire. And it started behind the couch that I probably would have been asleep on if I hadn't gone with him at that time. We lost everything in that house fire. God protected us through that. But then I I thought of another time in my life when I was about third grade. Saturday night, early 80s. Late 70s, I'm not sure exactly when that way. I'd have to do the math real fast to figure that out. Late 70s, early 80s. Saturday night, Love Boat was on TV. Who remembers Love Boat? Okay, you're showing your age, okay? Just so you know, you're showing your age when you raise your hand. (laughs) I speak to teenagers today and they go, Love Boat? Never heard of it. Okay. I was downstairs watching Love Boat. That's where our TV was. We had a family room downstairs. And my parents called me to come upstairs. And when they called me to come upstairs, they said, uh, well, first off, the fact that they called me upstairs was kind of weird because the living room was one of those formal living rooms. In fact, I think my mom had motion sensors in there, and like on the couch and things. Because if I were to go sit on the couch, she could be on the other side of the house, not here. Get off that couch. How'd she know? How'd she know? So for me to get called up to that room was a pretty significant thing. And it was at that point that I was told that my parents were getting a divorce. I don't remember my mom and dad fighting beforehand Talking to them now, they look at me and say, how did you not know? It happened all the time. I really don't remember that. But from that point on, I remember it. By the way, that's the first time I ever saw my dad cry. So for the next few months, we... I I, I witnessed my parents. I remember my bedroom was at the front of the house after uh, they separated. And uh, I remember sitting and looking out the front window and watching my parents and literally thinking they were going to come to throwing punches with each other all about where I was going to sleep that night. Want to talk about some scars? Obviously, I was not the reason for the divorce. But in a third grader's mind, with seeing that, I very much blamed myself. Because all the fighting I saw at that point wasn't about finances or wasn't about schedule or anything like that. It was about where I was staying and what I was doing and how I was being taken care of. It took me It took me till I was reached basically college age to forgive my mom and dad for what I went through during that time. For me, a black glob in my life on the handkerchief is that time in my life a scar that's not my fault and i start talking about it too much i'll get teary-eyed i'll choke up because i was hurt through that process but you know what's amazing god lots of times takes scars and gives you opportunities to use them for his honor and glory you knew the number of times that I've had conversations with students who are going through a divorce and they're lost and clueless and I've been able to talk and help them through some of that process. Now, I'm not a counselor. I don't claim to be a counselor in any form or fashion. In fact, Hamlet's on my speed dial when I need a counselor. (laughs) Because I want to send him to somebody that can do it right and do it from a Christian worldview. But it's amazing to me how God has allowed me. If you've never lived through a house fire, and I've lived through two at this point, okay? I had another one with the boys who were young. You, can't, you can say, I get it, or I'll pray for you, but you really don't understand what it's like to lose everything. And when you say lose everything, I was having a conversation last night with a waitress that literally last month she had a house fire and lost everything. And when you literally have to go out and buy new underwear because you literally lost everything, you don't grasp what that really means. And I've had those times been able to speak to and help people even through those things. Even though that black glob is there, by all means, by all means, it's tough times and it can be a scar in your life. But that handkerchief was still usable. I could still blow my nose on it. I could still shine my head with it, okay? Type of stuff. But God is still there. In the midst of tough times. God is the answer to our troubles. And we need to make sure we turn to him. No matter what our tough times are. Let's pray. Lord I do not know. I do not know where people are in this room. But I have no doubt, no doubt that there are those who are struggling with one thing or another represented in this room. Lord, I ask you that you will just minister to them Lord, let them look to you in the midst of those difficult times. And they could be all kinds of things, whether it be health or financial or marital strife or whatever that is, Lord. You know, and Lord, you're there to help us through that. Lord, there's some in here that I'm sure that that's not a reality in their life right now. Lord, I ask you that you'll help us to lean on you on a daily basis. Just as Daniel did, prayed regularly. Lord, we need that daily quiet time, that daily time to hear from you and to talk to you, to make it in this life. And when we're doing those things, you'll help us through those tough times. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.